Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, as we continue with our discussion on how did you receive Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 3, I mean chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. And last week we started talking about, we started looking at the, the point on instructions, receiving instructions with thanksgiving. And we went to the point of saying that there are different types of instruction. And we discussed one exhaustively last week. And that was the revealed instruction. To which point we talked about Jacob. How Jacob received a revelation that changed his life. That changed his finances. That established him in a foreign land. And made him a prosperous, a, a, a prosperous man. His, his master, so to say, Laban, we are told, changed his wages ten times. But every time that Laban changed his wages, the angel of the Lord had given Jacob the instruction in a dream which enabled him to always be ahead and above. You will be above and ahead in Jesus' name. Now, before we continue with types of instruction, I want us to take note of three simple things about instruction. Three simple things about instruction. Number one, instructions are priceless. Instructions are what? Priceless. You cannot attach any amount to it. That's why Jesus Christ gave that parable. He said the kingdom of God is like a man who was looking for pearls of precious value. And he found them in a field. And what did he do? He went and sold everything that he had. And he came and bought that field. Because in that field were the things he had, he had desired all his life. Precious uh, uh, ornaments. Jewels of precious values. In Proverbs chapter 8, verses 10 to 12. Proverbs chapter 8, verses 10 to 12. The Bible says, Receive my instruction, and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. What does that imply? It means instructions are, I mean, are more precious than silver. Instructions are more precious than choice gold, not just ordinary gold. Choice gold. He said, for wisdom is better than rubies. And all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. So brethren, instructions are priceless. You must take care of instruction, run with instruction. And therein you will find out that you cannot fail and you cannot falter. And you will not fail in Jesus' name. That's number one. I said there are three attributes of instruction I want to mention. Number two, instruction prevents poverty and shame. Instruction prevents what? Poverty and shame. In Proverbs chapter 13 verse 18, Proverbs 13 verse 18, the Bible says, poverty and shame shall be to him that refuses instruction. Remember one of the things we studied, I believe, last week. What is it that makes us to be unteachable? 
What is it that makes us to reject instruction? It's pride. Poverty and shame shall be to him that refuseth instruction. But he that regarded reproof shall be honored. Instruction prevents poverty and shame. There's something you don't understand? Look for instruction on it. Implement it. Follow the guidelines. Follow the instruction. And you'll come out victoriously. Even in this season, that there is a change of guards. Many things are changing in the spiritual realm. Many things are changing in the physical realm. The great and mighty are being brought low. And like the Bible tells us in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1, I believe. Or is it chapter 2, when Hannah was singing her song. Say he lifted up the poor from the dung to the throne. God is doing a new thing. I pray that he will find you worthy in Jesus' name. Instruction prevents poverty and shame. Number three, instruction gives life. Instruction gives life. Instruction gives life. In Proverbs 15, Proverbs 15 verse 31 to 32. Proverbs chapter 15 verses 31 to 32. It says, the ear that heareth reproof of life abideth amongst the wise. But he, verse 32, he that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul. He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul. And he that heareth reproof geteth understanding. Very important. Proverbs 16.22 says, Understanding is a wellspring of life unto him that hath it. But the instruction of fools is folly. I pray that you will choose life rather than death in Jesus' name. So three attributes of instruction. Then we'll go, we'll just go, I may speak a little bit on the types that we started uh, last week and then we'll go on to one other important thing I want us to take note of today before we close. So we thought of revealed instruction. Another very important type of instruction is what I call parental instruction. Parental instruction. And this is very important. Parental instruction. The book of Proverbs emphasizes this very much. In Proverbs um, chapter 1, verses 8 to 9. Proverbs 1, 8 to 9. The Bible says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father. Forsake not the law of thy mother. And that's why I call it parental instruction. Instruction from the father and the mother. When we are talking about being teachable, we looked at Deuteronomy chapter 6, where the Bible says, I mean, the, 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 the instruction to the parents is that they must teach their children the work of the Lord, the word of the Lord. The book of instruction must be taught unto them. A primary uh, assignment of us as parents, brethren, is to instruct our children. To ensure that our children are brought up in the ways of the Lord. And this father here, he's telling his son, hear the instruction of your father. Forsake not the law of your mother. Verse 9. He says, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. The instruction of our parents will give us grace. 
will give us divine enablement. We'll make things that are difficult for others easy. That same Proverbs chapter 1 verse 10 says, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. That is the instruction of a parent. That sin is very attractive. Sin is beautifully looking. On the surface, brethren, everything about sin is attractive. But the Bible says, there is a way that seemeth right unto man. But the end thereof is what? Destruction. That's why this father is saying unto his son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Sinners will come. They will tell you your parents are old-fashioned. They will tell you your parents don't know anything. They will tell you the Bible is a thing of the past. Not, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. These are stories that have been told before. The devil has no new trick. All he does is recycled old ones. The word of God says, If sinners entice thee, consent thee not. Stand your ground on the, work of, on the, word, on the word of God. That same Proverbs chapter 1, verses 15 and 16 says, My son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy put from their path. Verse 16. For their feet runs to evil and make haste to shed blood. Their feet runs to evil and make haste to shed blood. That is parental instruction. Another type of instruction is what I call acquired instruction. Acquired instruction is that which you learn, is that which you study, is that which you, you, I mean, which you acquire through learning, studies, academics. This gives wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Acquired instruction, very important, very important. And finally, before I go to the next item I want to discuss with us uh, uh, this morning, instruction can be revealed, instruction can be acquired, but either revealed or acquired, instruction must be received. If the instruction is not received, it will not be used. When Jacob had that instruction revealed to him in a dream, if he woke up and he did not heed to the words that the angel spoke to him, there will be no difference in his situation. That is receiving that instruction. When parental instruction is given, if it just comes in by one ear and goes out through the other ear, it is not received and it will not profit that son. And the end thereof will be an unpalatable uh, uh, result. When you acquire instruction by learning and you don't put it to practice, it is not received. That is why, I mean, some people have PhD, but they don't know what they are doing. It's just book knowledge. A very simple example is somebody that has PhD in theology. But the revealed word is not in him. The life of the word is not in him. That is instruction that is not received. So either revealed or acquired. Instruction was the word received by the individual. 
It is when it is received that it can be profitable unto you. And I pray that the word of God that is coming unto us will be profitable in us in Jesus' name. I pray that the word that the Lord is giving unto you, to us, will profit us in Jesus' name. When we go to that Colossians where we started, Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. Remember the topic we are discussing. How did you receive Jesus Christ? How did you receive Jesus Christ? Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. All the fullness of the Godhead bodily. When you look at this statement in different uh, uh, translations, it gives us a, a good grasp of understanding what it means. The Living Bible says, For in Christ there is all of God in the human body. In Christ there is what? All of God in the human body. In Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Jesus Christ there is all of God in the human body. In the uh, New American Standard Bible, it says, For in Him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. It simplifies a little bit what we read in King James. The Good News Translation says, For the full content of divine nature lives in Christ in His humanity. The full content of divine nature lives in Christ in His humanity. So all that is of God is in Christ in the human form. And for you and I, that it might be possible for us to acquire those attributes of God that are in Him. Remember that our access to God is through Jesus Christ. That's why the, the Bible says, Christ in me. So if all these attributes are in Christ, and Christ is in me, so what does that mean? It means all those attributes are in who? In me. In me. In me. Very important. The Amplified uh, uh, Bible. That's the last one we're looking at. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9. It says, for in him, the whole fullness of deity, the Godhead, continues to dwell in bodily form, giving complete expression of the divine nature. For in him, the whole fullness of deity, the Godhead, continues to dwell in bodily form, giving complete expression of the divine nature. The whole nature of God is expressed in Jesus Christ. The whole nature. So, whatever you can ascribe to God, the nature you can ascribe to God is expressed in Jesus Christ. So when we say Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, is Lord over all. We are saying that He is Yahweh or He is Jehovah. And we, 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 we will recollect there are many revelational names of God or relational names of God that start with the word Jehovah. 
So that whatever God is to you, in that relational name, is in Christ. And because that is in Christ, it is in who? It's in you. It's in me. And that should give us the boldness to come before him. To come before the throne of grace. To knock on the door of mercy. And say, this is for me. I stand upon the word of God. I stand upon the word of God. All that God is, he has deposited in Jesus. When we come to God through Jesus, we have access to the fullness of God through Jesus Christ. Then, those covenant names we can appropriate. We can relate with God through them. When Jesus Christ declared on the cross of Calvary that it is finished, he is saying that all the barriers to the demonstration of all these attributes of God in your life, in my life, they have been what? They have been taken care of. They have been destroyed. And so this morning, even as we continue looking at that question, how did you receive Christ, Christ Jesus? We want to emphasize some things that Christ Jesus is to us. Because it's possible. That some of us, the reason we are living the life we are living, even though we are supposed to be children of God, is that we don't understand the Christ that is supposed to be in us. The Christ in whom dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The Christ in whom resides all that God is, that we might key in to all but God is in Christ because Christ is in you and Christ is in me. One of the names of God that we are all very familiar with is the name of God that says he is Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. That says, I mean, we always translate it to mean that God will provide. God will provide. Abraham went to Mount Moriah in Genesis chapter 22, and he was going to sacrifice his son. But at the point of sacrificing that son, the angel of the Lord spoke to him. And in verses 13 and 14, Genesis 22, verses 13 and 14, the Bible says, Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a ticket by his horns. Abraham went and took the ram, Offered him up for a burnt sacrifice, a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Verse 14. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. In other words, the provision of the Lord shall be seen. And I pray for someone this, this morning. You will see divine provision. The provision that God has made for you. You will see in Jesus' name. Remember the story of Hagar. The Bible says, Hagar, when she left her master, uh, I mean Abraham's house with Ishmael, she got to a point that the water was exhausted. The boy was crying. She put him down and went and sat somewhere and said, well, I don't want to see this boy die, but there's nothing I can do. Then the Bible says, God opened her eyes. 
I pray for someone who is listening to me this, this day. God will open your eyes. I'm reminded of a story. I know I've shared this story with us before. Of a man, a Christian, who invested in the stock market. But he was a Christian. I mean, his own investment was with a difference. Before he would invest in anything, he would pray. He would pray. Should I? Should I not? And once he was sure this was the leading of the Lord, he, would, he wasn't a trader. You know, there's a difference between a trader and an investor. Traders will buy something and the next half minutes they will sell it. Or in a few days they will sell it. He was an investor. He will buy and hold. So he bought this. I mean, God directed him to buy the shares of a particular company. And he bought the shares worth $10,000. This, this is, I mean, quite a while ago. So that was a lot of money to invest in a company. And the moment he bought the shares, what happened? It started going down. And down, and down, and down. And of course, many jumped ship. But he said, the Lord led me to, this, to buy this company. That's the reason. And he just stayed put. And he, he, his money was, I mean, he, he was losing money. Then one day, that particular company had a piece of property. And on that property, they struck, I don't know if it was gold or oil. And that transformed the fortunes of that company. And so his shares that was worth $10,000 became millions of dollars. Over a period of time. You see, one thing about God, brethren, and we must take note of this. <laughs> uh, whatever God wants to do for you, the enemy will want to challenge. And many of us have failed because of our impatience. Because of our impatience. I was sharing with my brother, I mean, a, a situation, there was a stock I bought. When I, when I went full time, I bought 1,300 shares of that company. Actually, I put all my money in the company. And it was doing well. Within a short while, I had made good profit on it. Then one day, maybe something, some news came out and I sold the shares. I sold the shares of that company at $100 each. Today, the shares of that company are worth about $1,000 within about four years. So you can do the paper calculation for me. <laughs> you can do the paper calculation. So, I mean, and you can look at the difference between what I did and what that man did. If I had kept my shares and just closed it and forget it where I was, it's a very good company. Today, my 1,300 shares will be worth $1.3 million. This is a practical live situation. It's very important that we are obedient to the leading of God. We obey and we stand by it. Every instruction God gives to you will be challenged. But when you stand by the word that God has given unto you, you will come out triumphant at the end. I've just given examples with, I mean, shares. I know a little bit about them. But it applies to every area and every sphere of life. In Exodus chapter 16, 
We are talking about our God being the Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. And we started with the fact that in, in Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. We say all the attributes of God are in Him. They are in Jesus Christ. If God is a provider, then the attribute of God that provides is in Jesus Christ. And if Christ is in you, then it means God will do what? God will provide for you. That is very important. In Exodus chapter 16, verses 11 to 15, God provided meat and manna in the wilderness. Exodus 16, 11 to 15. The Bible says the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel. Speak to them, saying, At even you shall eat flesh. In the morning you shall be filled with bread. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And it came to pass that at even the quails came up and covered the camp. In the morning the dew lay round about the host. Verse 14. And when the dew that lay was gone up, Behold, upon the face of the wilderness, there lay a small round thing, as small as a whole frost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna, for they did not know what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord had given you to eat. Amen. God provided bread and meat for the children of Israel in the wilderness. When you go to Numbers 11, Verses 31 to 32. Numbers 11, 31 to 32. The Bible says, There went forth a wind from the Lord, and brought quails from the sea, and let them fall by the camp, as it were a day's journey on this side, and as it were a day's journey on the other side, round about the camp, and as it were two cubits high upon the face of the earth. And the people stood up. Verse 32. All that day, and all that night, and all the next day, and they gathered quails. That was the provision of meat unto the people by God. When you go to the book of John, the book of Matthew, you see Jesus Christ feeding the 5,000, feeding the 4,000, multiplying very little. When you go to the story of Elisha, you see how Elisha felt, I mean, fed the sons of the prophets. With a few loaves of bread that was brought unto them, I mean, that, that was a gift unto the, unto the camp. It was done in the Old Testament. It was done in the times of the prophets. It was done in the time of Jesus. Brethren, it is still being done today. The story is told of a man of God known as Robert Muller. That he, in his lifetime, he had orphanages in UK. George Muller. George Abbey. Uh -huh. He had orphanages in UK. Probably in US too, but I, know, I think he started in UK. And this man would not write a letter to anybody asking for money. What would he do? He would go on his knees and pray. And with that, all the orphanages were provided for. Oh, there were testing times. There were times of trial. And I remember a specific one that, we had, that I read of in, this, in, a, in, the, in a book about him. That there was a day that in the orphanage, they had no food. Nothing. And you have about maybe, maybe about 
I don't know how many children, maybe 100 children or whatever. It was a big gathering. And there was no food to eat. And they said, well, they set up the table. There was nothing to put on the table. See, God knows the way he makes his provision. Not quite far in front of the orphanage, there was a vehicle that was passing that was going to deliver bread. And what happened? The vehicle broke down. The vehicle broke down in front of the orphanage. By the time they were going to put the vehicle together and all that, they, they just reasoned that, look, if we continue with this uh, journey, this bread will be spoiled. It will be useless. Somehow they got to know they were in front of an orphanage. You know the rest of the story. All the bread in the vehicle was transferred into the orphanage. That was food for some, for some time. God can provide in so many, and I've gone into that because, I mean, look at the way he gave the children, of, he provided for the children of Israel. Look at the way Elisha fed the sons of the prophets. Look at the way Jesus Christ fed the 4,000 and the 5,000. And then look at the way this man of God fed the orphans in his orphanage. What else is there that you will tell me God cannot do? How can God not provide? He's a provider. He provides. And he's ready and willing to provide for you. If you will take his word for who he is, he's a Jehovah Jireh. And in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And because that Christ is in you, the Jehovah Jireh is ready to provide for you. If you will allow him. How did you receive Jesus Christ? This Jesus you have received is the Jesus that performed the miracles then. It's the Jesus that still performs miracles now. And he's not about to stop, brethren. He's not about to stop. He said, and lo, I am with you always. Even what? Even to the ends of the earth. We'll continue next week. But today, I want you to, there's something we need to pray about. And it's simply on divine provision. Divine provision. Maybe you've lost your job. There's a provision for you. Maybe you have been demoted. You're a child of God. There's a provision for you. Maybe you are totally living in lack. There's what? There's a provision for you. So long as this Jesus that we are talking about is in you, that's what makes a difference. That's why we say Christ in you, what? The hope of glory. Christ in me, the hope of glory. It is Jesus in me and in you that makes the difference. If Jesus is not in you, if Jesus is not in you, there's no provision. He is the Jehovah Jireh. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I want us to bow down our heads this morning. I want us to begin to pray. I want us to begin to pray. What is that need that you have? What is that need that you have? Maybe you don't have Christ in you. If you don't have Christ in you, you have not opened the door to the fullness of divine provision. And that's a starting point. You want to say with me this moment that Lord Jesus, I come before you. I submit myself unto you. I want divine instruction. I want divine guidance. 
I want divine direction. Come into my life. Come in today, Father. Come in to stay. Invite him into your life. Tell him that you are going to abide by whatever instruction he gives unto you. He desires to make a difference and make an impact in your life. Open your mouth and declare that every relationship you have with the kingdom of darkness, you are severing today. Oh, the devil might make you rich, but it will take his pound of flesh back. When it's true with you, you'll be worse than you were when you started up, if you are depending upon him. But if you can run to Jesus now, he makes a difference and he will make a way. Having given your life to Jesus, I want us to pray this prayer. Just tell the Lord that, Father, you are my hope. You are my trust. You are my confidence. I trust in no man but in you. Turn my situation around. Turn my financial situation around. Open your mouth and pray. Say, Lord, you are my hope. You are my trust. I trust in no one else. Turn my financial situation around. Turn my finances around. Oh, yes, you are my home. Turn my situation around, Father. Malaba Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, we have prayed.